Turn in your Bibles, please, to Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 to 20 are our text for this morning. We're going to look at verses 13 to 20 in two parts, this sermon being part one, and then in the will of the Lord as he spares life, a part two on these verses 13 to 20 in the following week. The title of both of these messages is Our Certain Salvation, Our Certain Salvation. I begin by saying that because salvation is all of God, he wants each person he has saved to know for certainty two things. If you are saved, God who has saved you wants you to know first that you are saved forever. And second, the God who saves you wants you to know that you are assured that you are saved forever. You are saved forever. You need to know that, believer. And you can have assurance and should have assurance that you are saved forever because your salvation is all of God and not of you. That is great news. One of these truths that we are saved forever is called eternal security. It is a biblical fact that salvation is forever and ever. It is the biblical fact that no one can lose their salvation granted to them in Christ. When you have been graced with salvation from your sins, then you are secure in the same grace that saved you is the grace that keeps you securely saved. You cannot lose a salvation that was graciously given to you as a gift from God. So that is eternal security, the piece of this that we are saved forever. The second piece, the assurance that we have indeed been saved forever, is called assurance. Assurance is the biblical awareness that you are saved forever. Now, please watch this with me. It is possible to have eternal security without having assurance of it. But it is not possible to have assurance of being saved without being eternally saved. So, because our God who saves us in Christ is gracious and loving and is Holy Spirit, we are secure in the salvation he has given to us, and we can be assured of that secure salvation. Let me back up a little bit to cover those three things I said about the God who saves you. Number one, he is gracious. That is, the God who saves you keeps you safely saved eternally, and he is so gracious, he wants you to be aware of his eternal salvation given you. And as I've said a moment ago, the same grace that saves us is the grace that secures us in that salvation. And so because God is gracious, we are secure in his salvation, and we can be assured of that security of our salvation. But there's more. God is loving, perfectly loving. God loves us to the end, and he intends for us not to question his love 
for us. I mean, after all, Jesus Christ, who is the savior of the forgiven sinner, is called the prince of peace. And to doubt that we are securely saved, to lack an assurance that we are securely saved, to fear that we will lose our salvation for this sin we commit or for that sin we commit is the total absence of peace. But Jesus Christ, your Savior, is the Prince of Peace. And as such, he gives you peace that you are eternally saved in his finished work and that you can know from Scripture that you are eternally, securely saved in his work. But there's more. God is not only gracious, God is not only loving, but within the triunity or the trinity of the Godhead, God is Holy Spirit. And accordingly, God the Holy Spirit indwells us, the ones that are saved. And in the process of indwelling us, As part of the benefit of being saved, the Holy Spirit indwells us. Scripture also says that he seals us. What does that mean? Maybe I could illustrate. A way to send a piece of mail with security is to send it by registered mail. And as you know, the piece of mail sent by registered mail is sealed by the sender, is sent to the recipient, A card from the post office is given to the recipient to notify that he or she has to go into the post office, produce photo ID that you are, in fact, the proper recipient, and then the post office releases the piece of registered mail to you and to only you, and you open it. Well, guess what? When you were saved, God the Holy Spirit puts you in an envelope that was addressed to God the Father with the mailing address of heaven. God the Holy Spirit puts you into that envelope. God the Holy Spirit seals that envelope. God the Holy Spirit addresses that envelope to God the Father in heaven. And you are, as it were, register mailed to heaven. No true Christian, no truly saved person gets lost in the mail. No one other than God the Father who saves us in God the Son will open that letter or envelope that the Holy Spirit has sealed you safely to be in. And do you know what? Not even you yourself can break the seal on the registered mail envelope that you find yourself in by the placement and sealing of the Holy Spirit. You can't bust out of that envelope even if you were to try. You're secure You're sealed in the Holy Spirit. You're destined for heaven. God the Father will open that piece of registered mail in the illustration and take you out of that envelope and show you to all the palatial wonders and glories of heaven that he has prepared for you, all of his grace and love. And so we are eternally secure in our salvation. He who begun our salvation will complete it without exception. And we see that because God is gracious, because God is loving, and because God is Holy Spirit who seals that envelope of registered mail to make sure that we arrive in heaven unmolested, unlost. Praise God. If you know Christ as Savior by faith and the grace of God, then you are secure in that salvation. 
Not based on your grip on Jesus Christ, but based on Jesus Christ's grip on you. You are eternally secure if you are saved, and you can know assuredly that you are eternally secure in your salvation if you listen to what the Word of God says about it. Not your feelings, not your circumstances, not your ups and your downs, not your moods, not the words of other people, but based on Scripture, you can have assurance that you are, in fact, safe, eternally secure in God's salvation. Let me try to illustrate. As you know, if you've gotten to know me at all, that I wear eyeglasses. And so I need lens cleaner to keep my eyeglasses clean. And of course, there are a lot of different lens cleaners for sale, many different brands and types. But when I go to Walmart, when I'm in the States, and I see in the lens cleaner shelf Walmart's own brand of lens cleaner, and on the label of that lens cleaner, it says free, unlimited refills. (laughs) That's the lens cleaner I buy because it told me I'll get as many free refills going back to Walmart as I need. That's a good deal. So I buy that kind. But you know what? After I buy that kind and I get back to Nassau, it is possible for me to start doubting that guaranteed refill. I can start, for a number of reasons, start to question, is that really the case? Maybe I say to myself, maybe that was only a limited time offer. Or maybe there could have been fine print that I didn't read. Or, you know, maybe Walmart stopped selling that kind of eyeglass lens cleaner and then I won't get any more refills. My mind can do any number of things. Or maybe I will not be able to get back to America to get my free refills. Whatever my mind might get troubled with and bothered with doesn't change the fact that Walmart is standing behind that lens cleaner and has promised they're going to give me a free refill every time I show up with it in their store, and it's empty. What I think about it doesn't matter. What I fear about it doesn't matter. What I doubt about it doesn't matter. What matters is the store has given me a guaranteed of free refills, as many as I want, for that lens cleaner whenever I go back to Walmart. So I could have the fact of guaranteed refills on my eyeglass cleaner, but lack the assurance that I have that guarantee. The fact that I might lack the assurance of that guarantee does not change in the slightest that there is a guarantee. That is how it is with salvation. You are guaranteed eternal security in Christ, whether you think you have it or you don't, whether you feel you have it or you don't, whether you suspect you have it or you don't. You have it in Christ. It's your guarantee based on God's word. And so if, back to my eyeglass lens cleaner illustration, if I get all bent out of shape about whether that guarantee of refills for free is or is not binding, I would lose my peace of mind about my, <laughs> my lens cleaner uh, situation. <laughs> and that would be a shame. I would be worrying over something I didn't need to worry over. I'd be negative over something I didn't need to be negative over. I know a lot of Christians who worry about something they don't need to worry over and are negative about something they never should be negative about, and that is whether they will have their salvation when it all is said and done in Christ. 
Some believers, I no doubt, that they really do have an eternal salvation. They doubt somehow for whatever reasons that they have a certain salvation. They doubt they have a God-preserved salvation. They doubt that they have a secure salvation. They doubt that they have an eternal salvation. They doubt that they have a salvation that's predicated, dependent on God and not them. That's, that's a serious shame. Because those believers who are saved, but doubt they're permanently saved, lack an assurance that they're saved. And all kinds of bad spins out of lacking an assurance that you're saved when you are saved. What kind of bad? Believers that lack assurance can melt down under the pressures of Christian living. Believers who lack assurance of being saved can just give up on the church, give up on Christ. That's a shame. Because the one who saved you keeps you safely saved. The one who saved you gave you the Holy Spirit to seal you and to make sure that your salvation is completed into glorification. And that's the truth that you can bank on. Another illustration, this time from the Old Testament, King David He had eternal security in his salvation. Salvation in the Old Testament, like the New Testament, was by grace through faith. What God required of Old Testament saints to believe in changed. Uh, Noah needed to believe God about an ark. Moses needed to believe God about a law, etc. But grace, salvation has always been in the Bible by grace through faith. And God has specified that upon which our faith should rest for salvation in his word. So we know that since the incarnation and through the ministry of Jesus Christ publicly in the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, etc., that our faith is to be expressed in God through believing in the finished work of his son, Jesus Christ. But King David was saved. He was eternally secure in his salvation by believing in the covenantal promises of God. But he messed up. He lusted after someone else's wife and He committed adultery with her, and a baby was conceived, and you know that her name was Bathsheba. So this King David, a man after God's own heart, sinned, and although he had eternal security in his salvation, he came to lack assurance in his salvation after he committed adultery. And in Psalm 51, a great psalm of the confession of David's sin, in verse 11, this is what he prayed, David did. Do not cast me away from thy presence, and do not take thy Holy Spirit from me. In the Old Testament, believers were not permanently indwelt by the Holy Spirit, as we are in the church age, permanently indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And so he was fearful that his adultery would cause God to uh, cast him away and to take the Holy Spirit from him. He had eternal security, but he lacked assurance because he felt that he knew he wasn't right with God because of his sin, and he feared in that state of being not right with God, he might never again be made right with God. By the way, that is a terrible, awful place for any Christian in any age to find her or himself. Put another way, David figured that he would have the Holy Spirit taken from him because of his sin, and that caused him to fear for his future. He feared that God might cast him away from God's presence. 
So although he had eternal security based on the God of the Old Testament saving him as he exercised faith in God as expressed through the covenantal promises of God, he had that, but because of the sin he allowed himself to commit with the woman, he doubted he had it. He lost the assurance of having it, and he was in a bad place. By the way, so often as I have sinned in different kinds of sins, I have gone to Psalm 51 has made it a pattern for my confession of sin, and maybe that would be a useful pattern for those of you who are looking for a biblical pattern upon which to confess sin to God. And so to say it again, King David had a safe and forever salvation, but he did not have an assurance of it. Eternal security, yeah, the king had it in the mind of heaven. Assurance of that eternal security, no, he lacked it because of the turmoil of the guilt that he experienced because of his sin. Now, with those backgrounds laid, we're ready to come to our verses for today. And when we come to today's passage, which is Hebrews 6, 13 to 20, we come to three reasons that every true believer in Christ is guaranteed ultimate and complete salvation. So verses 13 to 20 will give us three reasons that our salvation in Jesus Christ is guaranteed, ultimate, complete, and sure. I'm going to give you the three reasons first in an overview manner. The three reasons from Hebrews 6, 13 to 20, that every true believer in Christ is guaranteed complete and ultimate salvation are these. One, God's promise. We see that in verses 13 to 15. Two, God's oath. God's oath. We see that in verses 16 through 18 of the passage. And third, God's son. Verses 19 and 20 of our passage. So what are the three reasons you're guaranteed of a full and complete salvation if you've trusted Jesus to be your Savior based in Hebrews 6, 13 to 20? Well, they're these, God's promise, God's oath, and God's son. Now, in this sermon, I'm only going to take the time to consider the first reason with you, the first reason that every believer in Jesus is guaranteed ultimate and complete salvation. And that reason, in verses 13 to 15, is God's promise, God's promise. But before we focus in on that first reason of God's promise, I want to take you up, as it were, in a helicopter, I want to get you in a helicopter high above the passage. I want you to get above the passage with me in this helicopter to look at Hebrews 6, 13 to 20. And I want you to see some things in the helicopter as we hover over and get the big picture of this passage. So in the helicopter, the first thing to notice is that we are given these three reasons that our salvation is certain to go on to completion so that, so that we will choose to go on to spiritual growth and we will choose to go on to spiritual maturity. You see, if we weren't certain that God would complete our salvation, we may not have a motivation to spiritually grow. And we might have... Uh, 
giving up attitude when it comes to spiritually maturing. God doesn't want that. So he gives us these three reasons that our salvation is guaranteed in Christ so that we will go on to spiritual growth, we'll chase it, and we will go on to spiritual maturity, we'll long for it. In Canada, when I was in high school, we were on the British system, so high schools had 13, a 13th grade, fifth form is what we called it. I think you may have called it that here as well. You could graduate from high school after grade 12 and go on to a community college, a trade school, etc. But if you wanted to go on to a university, you had to st- study one more year in high school called grade 13 or fifth, excuse me, fifth form to prepare yourself for university studies. I remember sitting in an assembly in the fall of my grade 12 year, and I didn't know anything about Ontario scholarships. But there I was seated with the whole student body of the high school, and certain uh, grade 13 graduates from the previous year were given a beautiful uh, medal, an award that was hung around their neck like an Olympic gold medal in the Olympic Games that signified they were Ontario scholars. That is, that their average in grade 13 grades was 80% or above. I never knew of such a thing. But as soon as I saw the giving of the medals, and then I heard that the province of Ontario was giving financial scholarships to those who earned a greater than 80% average and were Ontario scholars, I got motivated to do my very best in grade 13. And by God's grace, with God's help, I achieved more than an 80% average in grade 13 and was given that Ontario Scholar Medal that I still have and prize and financial help to go to the university. God says, you need to know, you need to be in the helicopter that my salvation of you is certain. There's nothing iffy about it. There's nothing that's going to expire, nothing that's going to be taken away from you if you're truly saved because that will motivate you to press on to spiritual growth, like I was motivated to study harder in grade 13. That will motivate you to mature in Christ. So we're in this helicopter, and we see that the three reasons given that our our salvation in Christ is guaranteed is in the first place to tell us, go grow spiritually and count on spiritually maturing. But there's a second thing I want you to see in the helicopter with me. The second thing to notice is that we are given these three reasons that our salvation is certain to go on to completion because all three guarantees are dependent on God, not on you. All three reasons your salvation is going to be completed are based on God, not you. That's great. God has promised. God has sworn an oath. God has given his son. God, God, God. Our part is simply to believe that God has done these things for us, to secure us eternally in his salvation. (laughs) I said it before, the truth is, (laughs) the truth is, if we could lose our salvations, we all would, period. No exceptions. If we could lose our salvations, we all would. Because we battle sin after conversion. 
We fall. We disappoint God. But Christ's blood covers those sins. And we're secure. Now, let's look together at this first reason of the three, why it's guaranteed that every believer's salvation will be completed by God. And again, to say it again, it is God's promise. God's promise guarantees you, if you're saved, that you will remain saved forever and ever. And what is God's promise? Well, to see that, we go to Hebrews 6 and verses 13 to 15. Hear the word of God. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. And thus, having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. God's promise is one of the reasons that you are guaranteed that your salvation will never be lost. You know, a promise is only as good and as sure as the promise maker is good and sure. (laughs) I may promise you a sunny day this Saturday, but I can't guarantee you I'll have a sunny day on Saturday. That's God's business. I control nothing about the weather. I can hope you have a sunny day on Saturday, but if I say, I promise you a sunny day on Saturday, that's beyond my pay grade. I can't promise you that. I don't control the weather. But God, not only does he control the weather, he controls everything, including the outcome of your salvation. And so his promise that you will be safely saved and you will not lose your salvation is sure because he's a sure savior. It's guaranteed because he controls everything about it. Let me just give you some wonderful Old Testament verses about the sovereign control of God over all things. In Isaiah 14, verse 24, it says, The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely just as I have intended, so it has happened, and just as I have planned, so it will stand. Did you hear it? God says, What I intend happens. Did you hear it? He said, What I plan stands accomplished. Or Isaiah 46, verse 10. Declaring to the end, excuse me, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times things which have not been done, saying, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Did you hear it? God declares He knows the end of time as well as he knows the beginning of time and everything in between the beginning and end of time, God knows. He declares that, and he says from ancient times, things which have not been done, saying that even though some of the things you thought should be done that have not been done, nonetheless, God says, my purpose will be established. Not maybe, not hopefully, not let's wait and see. God says, my purpose will be established. If you don't see it established right now, wait, pray, 
bank on it. And then he says, I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Not 50% of my good pleasure, not the easy parts of my good pleasure. All of my good pleasure, God says, I will accomplish. That's an encouragement in your redeemed life if you're frustrated at how things are for you right now. That's an encouragement in the life of this country. That's an encouragement in the life of the world. God says, I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Praise his name. Still in the Old Testament on God's sovereignty and his control over human events. Joshua 21, verse 45, talking about a summation of how God enabled Joshua and the Israelites to cross into the promised land with the giants and the fortified cities and defeat them and to take possession of the promised land as God had told them that they would have it. And it says as a summary kind of a statement, as looking back on all those victories, all those kept promises, all those uh, wonderful blessings that came to them because of faith in their God, it says, not one of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. <laughs> not one of the promises which God made to the house of Israel failed. God batted 100% on his promises. And God will bat 100% on his promises to you. 100%. All came to pass. Believer, all will come to pass. Praise his name. And so the promise is only as good as the promise maker, only as good as the promise maker's control to keep the promise, power to keep the promise, Grace and mercy to keep the promise. Love to keep the promise. Eternality to keep the promise. And because our God cannot fail, and because it is impossible for our God to come short, that's what makes all of his promises made to the believer in Christ sure, certain, without doubt. And in the context of our passage, God's promise to you who believe in Christ for salvation is that he will complete your salvation. You won't lose your salvation. You will not be forgotten of God. God will make sure his promises to you in Christ, principally and foremost, the promise of salvation but all the other promises as well. And you can take the promises of God in Christ to the bank. You can be sure of them. You can build your lives on them. Wavering and doubting and fearing and suspicious, looking at these promises suspiciously. They're not of God. That's of the enemy of your soul. Please look again at verses 13 and 14. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you 
and I will surely multiply you. Will you notice that God's promise to us, his promises, plural, to us, are obtained by us as we have patiently waited? That's verse 15. And thus, having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. Just like Abraham obtained the promise of the Abrahamic covenant by patiently waiting on God, we will obtain the promise of a secure salvation as we patiently wait on our Savior. This patient waiting for God's promises is the opposite of verse 12's notion of being sluggish. Verse 12, that you may not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The sluggish believer is the impatient believer. The sluggish believer is the believer who doubts God's promise. The sluggish believer is the believer who is prone to quit based on the inventory of his or her own resources and strength and smarts. That's a sluggish believer. Don't be a sluggish believer. A sluggish believer chooses not to spiritually grow. Oh, why bother? I might lose my salvation. The sluggish believer is not interested to work hard towards spiritual maturity. This may not all pan out for me, you know. I mess up a lot. God could just write me off. No, no, no. Because the promises of a complete salvation are as sure as God who made the promises. Don't be sluggish. Don't be impatient. Don't be doubtful. Don't be lazy spiritually. Don't be distracted away from Christ-likeness. Because the sluggish Christian, although he or she may be saved, the sluggish, doubtful, impatient Christian has lowered the spiritual bar for their performance super low. God has that bar as high as being like Christ. And we strive for that when we're not sluggish. If you're saved, then your salvation is guaranteed to be fully completed by God who saved you. So wait patiently for it. Wait patiently for it. Don't give up in it and keep spiritually growing Because your salvation is eternally secure and because you can have biblical assurance that it is, three things, wait patiently for it, don't give up on it, and keep spiritually growing because God's promises to you all are certain. Recently, I heard of a prisoner on death row in the United States who came to trust Christ as Lord and Savior before his execution. Do you know who led the prisoner on death row to saving faith in Christ before his execution? Another prisoner on death row who was a Christian. The prisoner on death row who knew he was going to die on a certain date shared the gospel, the way of salvation, to the other prisoner on death row who was going to die at a a subsequent date. And then the prisoner trusted Jesus to be his savior And the prisoner who shared the gospel who was on death row discipled the prisoner who was going to be executed after him until the first prisoner was executed. 
The only way a prisoner on death row does evangelism is he believes that God has guaranteed him salvation and it will be complete. And the only reason a prisoner on death row bothers to evangelize another prisoner facing death on death row is he believes that after that other prisoner is executed, that other prisoner's salvation in Jesus Christ will be completed. Thirteen to fifteen. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you. And thus, having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. Now, I want you to grab onto this listener, viewer, in the few moments that remain in this sermon. All of God's promises to you in Christ are guaranteed. So you had best go on to spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. And in the meanwhile, as you go on to spiritual growth and spiritual maturity, you had best keep your life pure. Keep your life pure. Probably the lockdown may afford you more time to press on to spiritual growth and spiritual maturity in the word of God and prayer and Christian fellowship over the computer or over the phone. Maybe the lockdown will afford you more time to work on the purity of your life, your thoughts, your actions, your words, your, enter- your entertainment. God's promises are guaranteed, and because they all are guaranteed, we know that they are dependent upon God and not us. And so don't doubt what God intends to glorify. It's a discouraging waste of time, energy, and peace. Don't doubt. Instead, thank God for the security, the eternal security of his salvation of you, and be assured in it, rock-solid confident in it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the promises of your word that tell us that You cause all things to work together for good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. You tell us, Lord, you foreknew us, you predestined us to be conformed to the image of your Son so that he might have be first born among many brethren. And Lord, as you predestined us, you also called us. And having called us, you also justified us. And whom you've justified, you're also going to glorify us. A wonderful guaranteed chain of events. Thank you, Lord. And thank you that we also know that we are called beloved and we are called children of God. And it's not yet appeared what we shall be. But we do know, Father, that when Christ appears, we shall be made to be like him because we shall see him just as he is. And thank you that everyone who has this hope fixed on Jesus purifies himself just as Christ is pure. And Lord, Thank you, too, that your word tells us that you are able to keep us from stumbling and to make us to stand in the presence of your glory one day, blameless, with great joy. Thank you for our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory, the majesty, the dominion, and the authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen.